Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of Need Some Introduction. Today's agenda, we will be eventually talking about Loki. I'll be doing this solo for now. The Deeper Dive episode will be coming tomorrow. I'll be talking to Ray again and getting the kind of conspiracies, comic book lore, etc. out. And uh, so it'll be a much deeper dive into the topic. As for today, there will be no spoilers except for this episode itself. Uh, I'll be breaking it down and kind of giving you my opinion of the story and how it's progressing and how it compares to other storylines and just kind of how I'm speculating that the story is developing and where it might be going and digging into any kind of themes that get raised. Loki's an interesting character because of his duality. So maybe these are things that will be continue to be explored in this series. Before we get to all of that, there is some bonus content here. Although this will probably continue to be the case going forward, I'm going to have a uh, review of Rick and Morty which is back this week, and I've been a fan of Rick and Morty, and I wanted to have a place where I can kind of discuss it a little bit, and I may have co-hosts come along for these discussions in the future, but for now, I'm going to handle it solo since we're just kind of in the first episode anyway, and also I'll be talking about some of the things that I've been watching that may not I may not have raised in other podcasts. Before we get to all of that, remember to subscribe so you know when new episodes are available. If you want to know more about Loki, there'll be a follow-up Loki episode, a much deeper dive into this current episode and the season up to this point. And that'll be available tomorrow. We'll have another music episode coming this weekend. I just watched a very interesting documentary on Apple Plus called 1971, the year that music changed everything. Ian and I will be using that as a frame to start discussing some of these really important artists that emerged in the late 60s, early 70s. And we've already kind of been touching around them just coincidentally when we've been doing some of these covers episodes. But um, a lot of the same names that we've already addressed will be coming up there. And this is kind of just a frame to discuss how much creativity was happening here and how much of that music then is still impacting music today. I definitely want to bring music up into the more contemporary, but we kind of want to lay that groundwork and talking about some of these foundational artists back in the 60s, 70s. That kind of laid the groundwork for all the music of the 80s, 90s, and of course today. And we'll have an episode our first episode discussing this 1971 series on Apple Plus this Saturday. And also, if you missed it earlier this week, we also dropped the very first recap for season two of Evil, which is available on Paramount Plus. So listen to that if you are watching Evil or if you plan to watch it. Uh, that was a very funny episode. We uh, enjoyed kind of dissecting the show, although we did enjoy it anyway. We did have a very a lot of fun kind of picking the show apart for some of its like uh, plot failings. But the early reviews have been very strong. Uh, critics have gotten to see a preview of the season, and they have been giving very positive reviews, especially for episode four, which apparently is very scary. So I am looking forward to that. I do like scary movies and scary shows. And I may also cover some of that here as well. I'm going to eventually start a series of uh, recaps of kind of seminal horror movies. And I'll start discussing contemporary horror movies in this episode as well. And uh, there'll be timestamps in the show notes. So if you want to kind of skip the Rick and Morty discussion and go directly to the Loki one, or if you want to read some of my reviews, but you're waiting to see Loki, feel free to skip around within the episode. And like I mentioned, I'll put timestamps in the show notes to let you know where to go to get the different parts of the episode. So to start things off, Rick and Morty. So I, I uh, was kind of a late arrival to the Rick and Morty band uh, wagon, but I had heard many good things about it and uh, kind of was hesitant to get into it. It, it. it rubbed me as being maybe a little too ironic, too sarcastic. But when I finally did watch it, I really fell in love with it. Like the first handful of, of episodes, maybe to this day, maybe because it was just fresher, uh, are still remain some of my absolute favorites. And what kind of always amazes me about them, uh, about the the show itself and, and the writers and the creators of the show is how dense 
the show is with jokes, obviously. It's, it's hundreds of jokes per episode, but also the density of their ideas. It's incredible. Sometimes you see concepts that a whole season of Doctor Who or something would uh, struggle to uh, cram so much, sometimes deep sci-fi concepts into a show. And somehow that this that very coarse comedy is able to deal with these very, very <laughs> complex ideas and illustrate them in very interesting ways. So it's just just that facility they have in making these very complicated concepts palatable and then pay them off with great jokes, like just great jokes with these different interdimensional paradoxes. All that being said, I wasn't a huge fan of season four, and I think it's probably because I binged it, and that was the first one I had binged since the very first season. And I feel in a way, just because the fandom has become so rabid that they feel like they need to continuously up the ante with the complexity of their mythology, basically. And maybe I felt like in season four that it was so dense many times that I was really exhausted by watching the show. But once again, just to be clear, I had binged the show for the first time in, in multiple years. And maybe it's the type of show you really should not binge because of the density of the jokes and the density of the plot. So all that being said, it's been quite some time since we've seen Rick and Morty, and now it's back. I uh, wasn't that excited about seeing the new season, but loved this first episode. So funny. And I'm not even going to bother trying to recap a lot of these jokes because the density of the jokes here is, I mean, if I started writing them down, I would be doing nothing but quoting the show constantly. And I guess that's why it's so rewatchable, just because there's so many things you can miss. But the long and short of it, what I really loved about the show, just to kind of give you a very high level recap of what happens, as often is the case with the show, we're kind of thrown into the middle of a uh, life or death uh, situation to kind of kick things off. And we see that Morty's actually rescu rescuing Rick from some kind of yet another Cthulhu-like uh, space uh, monster, and they barely escape, and then they're crash landing on Earth. And um, two things happen there is that one is that Morty finally asks Jessica out, and she says yes. Turns out that she apparently has had some kind of crush on him for some time. And for those less familiar with the show, Jessica is simply the girl that he's been lusting after since the beginning of the show, basically. Just a schoolgirl that he has a crush on. And the second thing that happens is that uh, Morty is, you know, is so emboldened by... Um, her acceptance of this date that he, you know, rescues them, saves them, that the ship crash lands, but he is actually able to pull it off because he wants to have, definitely survive to, to, for that date, and but crashes in the ocean. And we find out that the ocean is off limits, that there is a, a peace treaty between a Rick and Mr. Nimbus, who is basically a sea god, and that this is a violation of that uh, trust. Now, Mr. Nimbus is absolutely hilarious. The first thing that is just incredibly great in this show is this character who is this like oversexed, pansexual, glam rock version of Rick of all things. But I guess like in a way, it's almost like this is what Rick would turn into if he had like basically had no grounding at all. I mean, he barely has grounding at all, like considering how abusive he is to his family. But it's if he didn't have some <laughs> link to these humans, this family that he still is bound to, that this would be like his completely unbridled id. And it is a hilarious character. And just the whole, <laughs> this, you know, everything is like water-based in his powers, but also his aesthetic. And he, he arrives <laughs> on like a, a, a chariot that's uh, with a giant octopus in front of it. And, you know, the, the, the street floods with water. Uh, he has the power of controlling all police, <laughs> which is another very, very funny, just random detail. But uh, it is, uh, it's great. It, what a great character and just, just absolutely hilarious. And like I mentioned, these convolutions of the plot, it's not really worth going into that much detail, except for the fact that, Two main things happen is that uh, Nimbus is going to come to Rick's house, to the family house, 
to uh, renegotiate this the terms of their peace. Uh, meanwhile, of course, uh, Morty is trying to uh, pull off this date, which he's been you know longing for for his lifetime. Meanwhile, Summer is actually on a secret mission to to capture some conch at the bottom of the ocean that apparently has to do with um, Nimbus's power, and uh, she's on this mission, and he's. And, and Rick is, you know, keeping tabs on her to make sure that that's going well. So this is all the setup, by the way, for the whole entire episode. It's the kind of frame this happens in. So one, uh, like mentioned before, one of the thematics that is interesting here is this idea that what would happen to Rick? And we've kind of explored this before on the show as well. What happens to Rick if he has no grounding at all? And, like, and you know, Nimbus is a funny version of that. We've seen some darker versions of this as well in the show. Nimbus is maybe the, the most entertaining version of what this alternate Rick might have turned into. Beyond that, the next um, uh, key point here is that there is a uh, an argument that occurs between Morty and Rick that where he basically calls out Rick and saying, like, how many enemies have you made? How are you so incapable of continuously developing these um enemies all over the universe, right, that are always trying to kill you. And he, he's very angry at Rick about this. And then, of course, there, there's a comeuppance coming from, from Morty in the fact that basically Rick puts a um, uh, um, some grapes or some wine, I should say, into like a pocket dimension, to uh, which is traveling at a much faster time frame. And by simply placing uh, the wine there, it's like aging it many years so that he'll have good wine to serve to Nimbus when he arrives. And such a small thing, and this is kind of the, the lesson that Rick inadvertently teaches Morty, and it goes very badly, is this idea that uh, even when you're not trying to do something wrong, you um, you end up creating these unforeseen consequences. So what ends up happening is that Rick says, hey, Morty, go get that wine. And Morty goes to the pocket dimension and retrieves the wine. And what ends up happening is this nice farmer in the pocket dimension basically goes and helps him carry the wine back. And then they have a friendly conversation and this farmer returns to this foreign world. And in the meantime, his family's gotten older. His um, children have, uh, basically they they kill the father for having abandoned the family and um, they turn on him. And he basically says, all I was doing was returning this wine. When Morty returns again for more wine, because uh, Nimbus <laughs> polishes off the wine in no time at all. So he has to go get more wine. And uh, when he goes back to get additional wine, it turns out that once again, time has moved forward. And now there is a whole generation of folks. And uh, when Morty uh, is confronted again, he beats up now an older version of the, uh, the, 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 the denizens of the pocket dimension. And basically, this continues to escalate. So every time Rick has to, every time Morty climbs back in there, more time has passed. And the society has evolved, and it's evolved to basically uh, around a hatred uh, of Morty. And Morty is like this kind of demon that, uh, uh, and you see that at sometimes it's like they create a whole society to protect themselves from him. But then the next time you step through the dimensional uh, portal, you see that now society has evolved again, and now people are turning against the king or that usurped them for the fact that like this was all a lie that this story taught us and then of course morty does return and then there's another escalation and another escalation and this is so utterly fascinating it's like an exploration of history and such a how things that are facts become myth become you no know, revolutions against these concepts and it's it's really really cleverly explored and very very funny at the same time um, so yeah, so th this this was really really great, and I, and I really really enjoyed it. And like I said, I'm, I, this isn't even all the things that happen in the episode. It has some really absolutely hilarious payoffs towards the end. Uh, so you know, if you're off on 
Rick and Morty. Make sure you binge it. It's available on HBO Max. And the new episodes are available on Adult Swim. So that takes us to Loki. So for this episode, I've really, really enjoyed those first two episodes. Gotta tell you, not a huge fan of this one. I liked it. There were some parts of it I liked, but you know, definitely not up to, to par with the first two. The episode itself is called Lamentis, which turns out to be the name of a moon that they're going to spend most of the episode on. Uh, one of my complaints, I feel just that in such a short season, and once again, I'm thinking about the overall rather than the quality of the individual episode, but considering that we have so few episodes in the season that we really have this bottle episode, we have this self-contained episode, really seems like it's not efficient enough considering how efficient, I mean, really amazingly efficient they've been in the first two episodes. I feel like this is kind of a lost, uh, a wasted opportunity, a bit of a wasted opportunity. But like I mentioned, there are still very good things here. We open with Lady Loki, or as we find out, her name is Sylvie, or what she's rebranded herself as. She's inside of an enchantment with C20, who is the Minutemen that we saw freaking out at the the uh, store last week. And she has um, was stating that she had revealed the location of the timekeepers. Um, and that's basically where we uh, ended off at the end of last week. We're inside of her mind, and we see how this enchantment works, how she basically is, that she's actually inside their mind, manipulating them by befriending them, by entering into past events in their lives and kind of inserting herself into that situation. And they're basically having margaritas out at a bar and getting them to just, you know, kind of talk about their personal lives, etc., uh, pretend to be a friend, and then, you know, get them to spill the beans on uh, what she really wants them to reveal. And apparently she has revealed this, uh, the location of the elevator um, that takes them to the timekeepers. That's the cold open before we get to the credits. As I had speculated last week that we, uh, she's taking um, advantage of the chaos she's created by creating all these uh, alternate timelines and has jumped back into TVA. And of course, Loki has followed her through. And things don't go as planned. Uh, she actually pretty quickly gets to, locates the elevator and makes her way there. And... Uh, you know, fighting with, uh, alongside Loki, uh, when uh, Ravona shows up, Ravona Rensselaer, uh, just when they seem to be cornered, uh, Loki's plan is to basically create a portal that they jump through, um, and they end up in this, on this moon, Lamentis, and of course, uh, he just simply picked one up of these uh, devices up when she, he was back at the, at the warehouse. Sylvie is very annoyed. Sylvie, as we discover, her name is Sylvie. This is what she goes by, and I'll touch on that a little bit more in, in a minute. But Lady Loki, if you want to call her that, or Liz Sylvie, uh, is very annoyed because she's basically saying this is an apocalypse that like no one survives. This is like an apocalyptic event that obliterates everybody and there's no survivors at all. So she's very mad at the situation they're in. And this basically begins, the meat of the episode starts here, where they're basically just simply trying to get off this planet. And this is a pretty common motif, whether it is the Defiant Ones or even something like the structure of a movie like Saw, right, where you have two people trapped together and they simply, you know, start having a heart-to-heart, learning about their backstories while they're trying to unravel their situation, or something more explicitly like the Defiant Ones where you have two enemies that are trapped in the situation and be, start to slowly discover each other and become friends given their circumstance. So this is pretty standard. We've seen this in many TV shows and many movies. And that's basically seems to be the uh, the main point of the episode, which is to allow us to have a little more insight into these characters who both seem to be pining for love. I don't know. A lot of this stuff seems a little weird and facile to me. The performances are very good. And we do get a little more uh, insight. Uh, I am interested in the backstory, uh, the fact that obviously Loki knows his mother 
and Lady Loki did not know her mother. So they have this tenuous bond. Uh, Loki has a temp pad, but he has hidden it. It has lost its charge. They talk about the different magic that they can perform for each other. And Loki is obviously very curious about this because he has learned magic from his mother. And uh, he's also very interested in learning that Sylvie's mind control is a learned skill. So he thinks, oh, I've learned how to do this other magic. Maybe I can learn how to do this also. Anyway, that's what I assume is what he's trying to do. And he may be able to learn this. So they have this tenuous bond to get off the moon, obviously, before <laughs> extermination, right? Pretty good motivator. There's a train, they learn, that's heading out of town and heading to a large ship. And they really don't want to get off the, the moon. They really want the power that the rocket ship has to basically charge up this device. But they get on the train using some sleight of hand from Loki, basically acting like a, a prison guard. Uh, and there's a little social commentary here that basically only the rich are able to leave the planet and uh, basically the, the poor folks, the working class, are left behind. And so there's a little commentary there on the class struggle in this in the world, I should say. At that point, they get into on the train, and this is where most of that heart-to-heart -heart I was talking about, most of that kind of uh, discussion of their pasts and their histories and their wants and is discussed on this train ride. But Sylvie, being tired, falls asleep. Loki does not like to sleep, apparently, <laughs> or something along those lines. And he gets drunk instead. And Loki, of course, is a screw, as we've seen in most of his <laughs> appearances in the MCU, and starts to party, doesn't even keep his guard uh, gear on. He has his variant jacket on again. And he's singing an Asgardian song and teaching the passengers, the passengers from the train, this song. And of course, he raises suspicion. And before you know it, the guards are there and they get into another fight yet again um, uh, and get thrown off the the, the train. Uh, or Loki gets thrown off the train. And then Sylvia, of course, goes flying after him because she needs that temp pad. Uh, and of course, the temp pad got destroyed during the, <laughs> the during the tumble from the train. So this is a bad situation to be in. The the temp pad's probably not functional, uh, and of course, they're nowhere near uh, a power source anyway. So they start walking and complaining. Now, of course, the kind of the bond that they this is very traditional, by the way, for this type of storytelling. The bond that they started to form is now unraveling. The tension is coming back because Sylvie is now seeing not the things she likes about this character, but the things she does not like about this character. And they start to butt heads. They end up at the town. They do finally get there. And another fight ensues. And a giant part of the moon basically comes and destroys the, the ship. And that basically is the cliffhanger of the finale here. Where, you know, uh, after all of that, they really don't have a temp pad that's functional. I mean, it's been damaged. So unlikely that it can be repaired. And on top of that, they have no power source. Because we've just seen the uh, rocket ship itself be destroyed by um, parts of the moon. And that's the final scene, is just seeing uh, the two of them in the middle of this city, which is about to be decimated, and uh, without any recourse, without any escape. The end of this episode, which, like I said, seems pretty unsatisfying, considering it feels like a lot of a middle of a story. Um, like I said, there's no real payoff to any of this. We have a lot of middle. We got a lot of character development. We got a lot of um, how do we get from point A to point B, without an understanding of broader themes, the broader scope of the story. And like I mentioned before, so I don't hate it. And I do think they did some interesting character development here. And they obviously flesh out Sylvie. They, something about some of her powers, how the powers work, some of their backstory, how they have similar backstories in some cases, dissimilar in other cases. So all of this is somewhat inter interesting, but really for a middle episode, and we're 
in the middle of the season here, more or less, exactly in the middle of the season here at the end. This really feels like a lot of middle, right? This is a lot of um, getting from point A to point B, literally, right? A lot of just walking around. It's like a Lord of the Rings movie or something. Uh, just a lot of moving from one place to another. And it's an expensive episode, I would assume, given the amount of special effects required to pull this off. So, like I said, probably not the best way to do this. I wouldn't have done it this way, but it is not a totally wasted point. And we're in the middle of the season. I'm sure things will accelerate again uh, soon enough. What do I... Oh, so a few things. So, first of all, it's pretty interesting. And once again, this show's kind of surprised me with the, you know, uh, um, how reveals don't turn out to be the reveals that we think they are. There was a lot of buzz on the internet last week that it, I think in Spain, there in the subtitles, um, they had Lady Loki as Sylvie, defined as Sylvie. And uh, people started speculating, oh my goodness, she's not actually Loki. She's Sylvie. There's a character in the comics. Once again, I don't know. This is all second, third hand information. And when we have Ray on the show, I'm sure he'll have m much more to say about the Sylvie character in the comics. But there's a character called Sylvie, who's also called the Enchantress. So once again, we talked about enchantment in this episode. We talked about Sylvie being an alias. Uh, Sylvie the Enchantress is a, a different character. It's not Loki associated at all. And people started speculating, oh, this isn't Loki. She's pretending to be Loki. But like I've mentioned before, the MCU has a tendency to remix things from the comic books and not use them exactly legitimately in the films, not I shouldn't say legitimately, but they not use them directly in the same way, but use those elements and kind of remix them into uh, the their own version of the mythology here in the MCU. And I think that's what's happening, right? So it's not that Enchantress is something different than the Lady Loki. It's that Lady Loki is Enchantress, right? Lady Loki is Sylvie. So these two characters are simply the same. It's uh, in this variation of the timeline that they are the same character, not two different characters. But it may provide some clues. The the uh, Enchantress um, storyline in the comics may provide some clues as to where the MCU may be taking this character beyond the show. I do have a feeling that she probably will sort of continue in the MCU beyond the series itself. Okay, so my last bit of speculation, how do they get off that moon? And how do they uh, move on? What, what happens next? So here's my guess. My guess is that Owen Wilson's character, Mobius, knows about the hiding in apocalyptic events pattern because they discovered it last week. He will show up next week and jump into this timeline. He will, for whatever reason, be there maybe to help, maybe to make sure that they are removed from the timeline. But regardless of what his motivations are to be there, or maybe a combination of both of those things, because he's kind of on the fence as to what he wants to do because he's starting to befriend Loki. Regardless of what happens then, I believe that Loki will then, because I want to see that partnership again, I think that he's going to partner with him and say, look, this is what's actually happening to TVA. This is what's really happening. And you are a variant and you can water ski again someday. We can get you back to your regular life. We can put you back in there and you can have what you want. And he's going to make that proposition to him, and I think they're going to partner up, and maybe partner up, like I speculated all the way back in episode one, that eventually they'll, that they will partner up and take down the TVA. So it might become a group effort. And maybe even C20 will be on their side too, because now she's also seen some of the truth as well. So yeah, so I, I wouldn't be surprised to see that happen, and uh, that could be an interesting direction to take things. 
uh, by the end of the season. And of course, the big questions, if they do take down the TVA, what does that do to the logic of the show, right? When we have all these additional variant timelines, which I'm pretty sure they need to explore with. Once again, we're adding multiverse storylines to all over the MCU in the upcoming uh, series of movies. So this may be the genesis point for all of that. So that's where I think we're going to go. I do think I, I do miss Owen Wilson a lot in this episode, but can't wait. I, I'm pretty certain there's going to be a, a buddy, a, a partnering up, buddy cop comedy rolling again. The difference is they're not going to be looking for Loki anymore. They're going to be trying to unravel the TVA mystery. So I do look forward to that, and I can't, and, and I hope that's the direction the show goes in. So that is the overall recap. Like I mentioned, that it's not that much to recap this week. This is a lot of just uh, walking around trying to complete a mission. Uh, while, you know, doing this kind of Defiant Ones type pattern of uh, discovery between the characters, kind of heart to hearts and, you know, finding their commonalities and they're fighting sometimes and making up, breaking up. So do you have your own theory right now? Reach out to us, need some introduction at gmail.com. I'd love to read your theories on the next week's recap. Check in tomorrow. We will have a deep dive comic book perspective with me and Ray. Another episode will be posted here, same feed. Check in over the weekend. We'll be exploring the music of 1971. And if you'd like to, check out that Apple Plus documentary about the music of 1971. It's really, really great. Some amazing archive footage in that. Uh, If you have Apple Plus, obviously you can watch all of it right now. If you do not have Apple Plus, you can watch the first episode for free and uh, it's excellent. So just, you can just watch the first episode. And like I mentioned, we'll have a discussion about the music of 1971 this weekend. The beginning of that conversation. There's a lot of music, by the way. Many, many albums came out that year. Seminal records. And uh, then, of course, uh, we're also recapping and watching Evil. Make sure you watch Rick and Morty. If you're not watching that, I will be discussing Rick and Morty in these mini episodes every single week. And here's a perfect example this week where there was probably more to talk about Rick and Morty than there was in this specific uh, episode of Loki. So do watch Rick and Morty if you're not. I love this first episode of Rick and Morty. If you are watching Evil on Paramount Plus, I will also start to watch and have some mini recaps, maybe something that Sona and I will do together, or maybe something that I'll do by myself, depending if she's watching as well, for a show called The Good Fight, which is very interesting. And like I mentioned before, it's very much kind of these torn from the headline type storylines. And I do want to discuss, especially the legal ramifications of some of those storylines with Sony. So I will be discussing those as well. So a lot of stuff to watch. Rick and Morty. Watch Loki, of course. Watch Evil, if you're not. Uh, Watch The Good Fight. And of course, check out our music episodes as well. If you're curious about hearing some recommendations of older music that you may have forgotten about, some of the history of that music, Uh, Plus, of course, inevitably, (laughs) more contemporary music that's uh, basically uh, been influenced by those previous recordings. Make sure you subscribe so you know when all those episodes become available. And please do reach out to us. Need some introduction at gmail.com. Talk to you soon.